Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Love it. Oh, in spam, spam, spam. Cold light. Cold light. Cold light. Cold light. Spam, 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 spam. Baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm. Forbidden donut. Our little musos just fade off into the distance. Thank you, Booker T. And those MGs too. Across from me, I have Kent Goldsworthy. It's glorious out there. It's glorious. It's really yeah. nice. And yeah. you've come bearing gifts, and I have to <laughs> acknowledge and thank you. There is no greater gift <laughs> than the gift of food. Mm, there, yeah. there really isn't, and especially... Um, the love and attention that goes into making a loaf of bread, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for what is um, a really beautiful loaf of bread, still warm. Can you hear that? Oh, it sounds good. It looks good. It smells good too. Hope it tastes good. Well, I don't know. We we will find out because um, I'm really, really looking forward to the show today because what you have done in that selfless act... (laughs) Of um, of making and giving to me reflects very very much the ethos of um, our guests that we have on today. You see where I'm going with ah, this? Yeah, well went, done. He went. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And segwaying. Um, <laughs> clumsy. Whoops! I missed the landing. Uh, I do that often, folks. Um, but in waiting in the green room with um, a flock of children. Uh, we have Eva and Maria Koneski and Konesny, and I'm going to have to just ask permission of their the pronunciation because I'm sure I got that wrong. They are the dynamic duo. Um, I'm not going. I'm not going to go down that road. I was going to say something about Spice Sisters and stuff like that. Have you heard of a place called Gewurzhaus, folks? If you haven't, it's 
it's a haven for for memory um, and uh, an olfactory delight and and a thing that is based on uh, a very very German concept of the spice house and uh, Eva and Marie have made it. Uh, uh, what is becoming an Australian institution? Would you agree with that? Have to. How many are we up to? How many uh, outlets? Oh, heaps, heaps. Uh, seven in seven in Victoria, four in New South Wales, mm-hmm. one in the ACT, and one in Adelaide now. So, nice. from twelve years of doing business, growing from a little shop in Ligon Street and taking over the lease of a failing gelato shop. Failing gelato shop in Ligon Street. I know. What were they doing wrong? I don't know. It's like, How do you do that? Um, uh, I don't know. It's like Donald Trump, you know, coming bankrupt when you own casinos. But it yeah. seems like it, it shouldn't have happened. But happenstance did. And um, through a vision of uh, being in the Northern Hemisphere in a little Munich spy shop, this kernel of an idea grew into a really, I'd have to say, a bit of a beautiful empire. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we Certainly will... a nice-smelling one. Uh, not, yeah, <laughs> fresh-smelling. Um, and we will have the two sisters will be coming in to share their stories of uh, the genesis of the business, why it is what it is. But also, after 12 years of being in this business, they have released a book, and it's called Kindred. And it is part cookbook, part meditation on family, of kin, of nurturing, of tradition. It's a bit of a beauty, actually, mm. just, just saying. So you might want to stick around for that. And because it's going to be a bit of a quite a story, we're, we're just having two segments today. And following on from that, we are going to be speaking to... Uh, a lato ice cream maker, founder, progenitor. Is that right? That's no, probably not right, is it? Uh, forget I said that. Roz Caldor Aroni. She's the founder, and we could call her the ice cream scientist who has reworked the formula hmm. for ice cream mm-hmm. to make it really, really tasty, uh, an indulgent treat that doesn't have to wreak havoc on your waist. Oh. There's, there's some good news. There's some good news for us all. Uh, yes. And uh, and also the very fact that um, where so many people have uh, fallen by the wayside, apparently 94% of people that want to bring a new product to supermarkets fail. Mm. And Ross has managed to, well, get the golden lottery ticket, I suppose, in that she is now in or her product is now in uh, a whole bunch of Woolworth stores. Which is pretty Impressive. amazing. So Impressive. I want to want to hear about how she did that and her thoughts on ice cream, on aeration of ice cream because some ice creams you can get are just air. Did you know that? Oh, no, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> did you Did you know that? I'm sorry. I was looking almost inquisitively at you or accusingly at you. Did you know that, Kent? <laughs> I did not know that. Kent. Yeah, like yeah. some some uh, ice creams that might say rhyme with fleets. Uh, Grey bibbon, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Yeah, it's just it's just air, right? Anyway, we are going to be talking about that. But I would like to just mention something that happened—a calamitous event that happened at the Queen Victoria Market on Friday. So people would be aware of uh, when they go to the Queen Victoria Market of one of the 
the little treats that are around. So there's there's a few that I sort of see as being really, really valid. One the one of the early and enduring ones, of course, is the Bratwurst shop. Oh yeah. Where people, you know, one of the great hangover cures of the world is just <laughs> get a get a bratty, mate. Unfailing. Unfailing. And that's mm. such an Australianization of, you know, <laughs> yes. get a bratty India. Get a bratty. Um, and and then the other one, which hasn't been abbreviated, um, more of a Turkish uh, delicacy, the Borek. Borek. The Borek shop, which mm-hmm. sometimes the lines now are longer than the Bratwurst shop, which is yeah. interesting. These new upstarts that have come <laughs> in, only been in there for about 20 years now. The other iconic fast food that you can get at the Queen Victoria Market, of course, is the American Donut Van. Yeah. Um, serving donuts proudly since the inception of the Melbourne Olympic Games, which is, was that 56? The Games were 56, yeah. yeah. 56. Well, uh, those donut vans, they used to drive around. Now they just get towed. But all was going well at the Queen Victoria Market. The marketers were shouting their wares. Mm-hmm. People were bustling around. Jeep shopping trolleys were going into the ankles of unsuspecting people. You get the picture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, painting the picture of the market okay. Yeah, and there's a calamity coming. There's a calamity coming mm-hmm. because it was noticed that there were flames licking underneath the donut van. Yeah. And someone had to shout to the people, hey, you guys are on fire. And <laughs> so we go, yeah, we, we, we know. know. <laughs> <laughs> Our donuts are that good. And they went, no, 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 you don't understand. You're on fire. You're literally on fire. And and they had to evacuate, and apparently they put uh, they they closed the thing for the day. Wasn't extensively damaged, like he you know didn't lick, and really think it damaged too much of the paintwork. But there was crime scene tape around it. Oh wow! (laughs) It was the the full stag. Char grilled donuts going cheap. Yeah, smoky donuts, (laughs) the wrong sort of smoke. Um, So yes. And uh, I had a buddy of mine, Carmel McNally, who um, she does tours around the Queen Victoria Market and she's saying to the children there, you've been witness to a great event that they'll be talking about for years to come. The great donut fire that happened of 23. Of 23. So uh, no one was hurt. Uh, I think they probably had to throw away the donut dough of the day. And they might have lost trading. But the good news is that um, there are actually two vans. Oh, okay. You know? Uh-huh. You know? Ah. So they just go to the old switcheroo. Never seen in the same room. No. Never <laughs> seen in the same room. It's like the Coca-Cola sort yeah, of thing. Right. Yeah. you got to do that. And you just reminded me of 12.10, and we're going to get to our first guest very shortly, that I was at a barbecue festival at Gasworks Park, of all places, and I just inherited... This great, beautiful blue London fog Macintosh from my father, uh-huh. right? And I'm prancing around and feeling very special. And I was standing near a barbecue, like a chimney where they, you know, you get the thing going. And someone looked at me and went, Cam, you're on fire. And I went, <laughs> I know, no, right? No. And they went, No, you're on fire. And my coat had caught on fire and the flames oh, were traveling up my back and oh. I had to. Rip off this coat and um, did you do a drop and roll? No, I just I did a I, I did a um, tear off and run away <laughs> more than drop and roll. But yeah, I never got to wear that coat again. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot.
The show's called Eat It. My name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have Kent Goldsworthy. Hello. How do you do? Uh, <laughs> Again. I'm do- well, I'm just making it's continuity. You know, there's that thing about radio that uh, some people, they just tune in. Uh, so, you know, we've got a position. Right. So, you know, what's going on now? By way of introduction, I'd like to say that uh, Eva and Marie have been, I'd have to say, beguiling our senses with their heady shops dotted around Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide. But... It's been an incredible story from a gelato shop in Ligon Street, the heart of Italy, opened a a sensational spice shop inspired by a visit to a shop years ago in Munich. And uh, from that, so much has grown and uh, it's been such an incredible success and really has become part of the culinary landscape in, I'd like to say, this city, but no, no more than that. It goes across the Murray to Sydney, to Adelaide, <laughs> to the ACT. Wow, you guys have been just so busy, and thank you for taking the time to come here to the station and talk to me at Eat It, and also huge congratulations on your very first book, which is called Kindred Recipes, Spices and Rituals to Nourish Your Kin. Marie and Eva, thank you and welcome to 3RRR. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it is an, an absolute pleasure. Um, where do we start? Let's start from the beginning that uh, you are of... Well, tell us a little bit about your yourself and your parents from uh, German parents... Yep, German, German parents. Um, we were both born in Germany too. Yes. When, um, did, when did you come here? We came at age three and four, um, so young, impressionable, crazy years. Yes. <laughs> um, we came because of dad's work. What a place to move work. to. What did your dad do? He was um, fairly high up in the um, paper recycling world. Wow, um, okay. came over here to work for um, the Pratt Group. Really? For Richard Pratt. Yeah. The great Richard. The great Richard. The great Richard. Um, And so, yeah, so maybe there's been sort of elements of sustainability built into your ethos and things. But your whole uh, life has been built on um, acknowledging the past and the rituals of the past. But growing up in Australia, you went to school here, you did university did a little bit of bar work afterwards, and then one thing that kind of surprised me is that you took off to the Kimberley to work on a cattle station. I just, <laughs> I know we're going to talk about spices <laughs> in the book. It was just, yeah, yeah, not both of us. Oh, you didn't, didn't both go wrangling? <laughs> no, I stayed put. No, Eva yeah. was still at school. Um, okay, yeah, I did that for my gap year. Yeah, and how was that? Wild. Yeah, I bet. Wild. I learned how to weld. Um, yes, I could already ride horses because our parents had a, a farm in New South Wales, um, sort of from our teenage years. So we, we had some idea of what to do on the land, but, yeah, it yeah. was... how to put a bridle on a horse and get a saddle on. It and was wild. Yeah. It, wow, what an incredible thing. Okay, that's, that's out the way. But then a trip to Munich inspired you both. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because also it's very important because you would do often do trips to reconnect with family. And this had a huge impression on your lives. Can you maybe talk about your your Oma and and the tiny apartment that she had and some of the, the life that you had going back to the Northern Hemisphere, to the old country? 
Yeah, well, I think because it was just our parents here, our extended family were all still in Germany. So we spent um, most of our summer holidays here with our grandma in Germany. Mm -hmm. I went back every year or every other year. And they they grew up in different times where everything was made from scratch and um, we every time went to the bakery for bread in the morning to the butcher for meat, the deli for cold cuts. It was very a different way of, of shopping. And I think Germany, Germany is still more traditional in that sense that there's less supermarket chains, especially in the smaller towns. How um, wonderful. It is. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, a trip back there, family friends took us to a spice shop in Munich that we just thought was such a fantastic idea and inspired us to cook different things. You described it as a really very much a heady encounter and because that's one of the things that is so evocative about being in a spice shop is that you were just surrounded by the most incredible smells um, and it's powerful in the in the fact that you we we know that you know the uh, the olfactory nerves are, are so connected to where memory is stored that it's incredible you smell something and you just get brought back mm. and did did you find that was it was it that uh, applied to you when you went into the shop yeah i mean i think um, what year was that anyway by the just out of that curiosity was 2007 8 yeah. we opened the first shop 12 years Just ago. Just a year after that. So yeah. we did, we pulled our socks up and got to work when we got home. Yeah, we did. Um, but being in that shop, um, you know, we had no idea what was coming for us. Our friend had said, oh, there's this spa shop in Munich, I'm going to take Do you, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, we'll go to the spa shop. And we shop. walked in and it was, you know, Boom. like our store, all of the, the self-scoop. Um, so you could open the tubs and yeah. fill a scoop with spice and smell it and... It just, I don't know, we were in there for over an hour. We spent a small fortune. We were just completely <laughs> intoxicated yeah. and transported all over the world. To, yes. You know, to our past, but also to places we'd travelled. And, you know, it was to such... Ex- and ex- so to your past and almost to exotic futures and exotic other places. Yeah, and I think the the... The richness of the world, you know, that we live in was just so real in this in this shop because you could interact sensorily with with these ingredients, and you know, immediately we also wanted to cook. Um, what did, and, you, and that what did was you want to make? The what, magic. What was the first thing that? Do you remember what you were inspired to cook? Oh, I remember I, one of the the products I bought at that shop was a Cafe de Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a, a spice blend to make a, a butter um, full of um, garlic, fenugreek, turmeric. Melted over steak. Or, or oh, yeah, we oh, ca- so oh for, the, for the Café de Paris, but uh, yes. Because yeah. there's quite, quite a few things in that, it isn't is. there? Yeah, a lot of things. Yes. But the smell of the blend just, oh, just made you want to go immediately and make the butter and put it on everything. Yes. Um, but yeah, there were also a whole heap of um, you know things that we had never tried before yes. that we just and Went, if wow, it had have been this? in a closed package, you know, we probably wouldn't have bought it. But yeah. the fact that you can smell really, I think, crosses so many barriers because inherently, I think we know what to do with food. Yes. I mean, we have we have to to survive. You know, yes. we 
And it's also in our DNA too, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're, yes. we're born with that. And yeah. so we just loved the idea of bringing that back to Melbourne because Australia is so multicultural, is so adventurous, especially uh-huh. Melbourne, uh-huh. Um, that we thought oh, this will be this such is- a hit. And with the spice blends, it's it's much more forgiving. You don't have to try and mix the right quantities of turmeric, coriander, and come up with the the blends yourself. They're balanced, mm. and we just for us because we hadn't actually grown up cooking with spice that much. It was a very easy way to to start using them and be more creative in and, cooking. And also with the quantities that you do, it's like um, uh, speaking to distillers and you know cocktail makers, and they say if you do a big batch. It's easier to get that bliss point just mm. right because you're dealing with such bigger quantities, so it's easy to do. But you walked out of that spy shop mm-hmm. and you immediately said, "I know what we're going to do." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, pretty we, much. And you, what was it? Were you just looking at each other, going, "This is, this is, this is it. We found it." Yeah, we were. Dude, we were kind dude. of looking for something else anyway, and then came back to Melbourne and spent six months at home just cooking and developing the spice blends. And do you do this is something that is equally shared the the spice blending and getting the mixtures together and right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah still. Much. Yeah. It was we most definitely when we first made that lot of what did we start with? Maybe 90 blends. Wow. I can't remember. I can't Maybe remember it was slightly either. less. Uh yeah, still, we that's just a lot. Every day we're in Eva's kitchen. Yes. Testing yeah. different you know, turmerics from different places and cooking up blends and because we also had to come up with our single spices. So, yeah, you know, single the range. A to Z, um, yeah. which seems like much more straightforward proposition, but sourcing the best for each of those was an enormous Because this is like I have talked to people over the years whose life has been in spices and it's been acquiring knowledge through years yeah. and years of experience and then you've got to just throw yourself into this first of all incredibly historical market yeah, yeah? and then it's such a diverse market and a diverse thing geographically like yeah how did you go and find where's the best turmeric trial uh, and error, a lot of, i suppose yeah a lot of research and then a lot of um, getting in samples, cooking with them, tasting them raw, smelling them, mm. um, understanding where, you know, the best... Because a lot of spices, there'll be places where the premium is grown. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a, a steep learning curve. But we were also just young and naive. If we had have known the amount of work that we were actually <laughs> undertaking, we never would have yeah. done it. It was actually blissfully ignorant <laughs> thank god for that so but you had this baptism of fire or the, let's just forget that a very very hard year an exhausting year i mean first of all just to get to the point of you're in a gelati shop you had to what well, how did that work sorry very quickly how did that we had to well no go one would give a us a lease because they all thought we couldn't pay the rent yeah you said you want to do what yeah, they all thought we were crazy. Um, I remember our dad saying to us, I hope you saved enough money. <laughs> mm, you're going <laughs> to need deep pockets. Need, yeah. Um, so the one thing, and I studied property and construction, so for me I thought the leasing side would be the cinch, easy. I hadn't cinchy, even cinchy. really thought yeah. that that would be our 
our tricky part. But yeah, we had to buy a gelati business mm. and then we ran it for a few months because it was summer and it was we needed to recoup some of the money to buy oh, the business. Gotcha, right. So and you were trading to get the capital to yeah. then be able to get into the spice and land. So then we could uh, assume that lease yes. and we had to sign a <laughs> a document to say that if our business failed we would re we want your we children would... <laughs> <laughs> we get no, the children didn't, we didn't have the children at that time <laughs> okay. but yes. we had to reinstate the gelati shop oh. after we'd ripped it oh, all out God. so wow so yeah. so and you did it but i'm just curious that you come together this is a dynamic duo family that that has has thrived so well what are the strengths that both of you have and, and how does that complement each other? Do, do you do both have the same skill set, do you think? No, there we go, instant no. <laughs> the shaking of heads. Tell me about how you guys work together and what skills you both possess. I think especially, well, still now, um, but in the early days, Eva was always the the one out there, shoot, shoot, aim, you know. She's like, yes, let's do this and shoot, that. Shoot, shoot, aim, that's good. Yeah, okay, yes. And I was the one who aim, would say, aim, shoot. hang on, let's yeah. just. Easy, you're the handbrake. Let's just make sure. Sh- well, I'm much more strategic, I'd say. Yes. Um, I have a quite a mathematical and, um, yeah, I can find patterns in structure. So yes. That's been exceedingly helpful for wow, building from good. one store to yes. numerous stores, um, and our CEOs that way too, I should say. Yes. Um, whereas Eva's often, you know, coming up with big ideas. So even mm-hmm. the new store that we just opened on Friday in Dalesford. Dalesford? Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. She so said, I want to put a stove in, in it. Number seven in Victoria. You want to put a stove in it. Okay, <laughs> I want to yes. put a stove in it. <laughs> yeah. And we all sort Eva, of thought, why? yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Can I just question <laughs> Why? Um, cause we, you know, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted it to feel like a country kitchen yeah. and that you were coming into someone's home yes. and okay. uh, that we could do some baking in the store and make mulled wine in winter uh-huh. and really that German word gemütlich of feeling comfortable in home. I wanted to, um, embrace that. So my, uh, and initially I actually wanted a wood fired stove so it would heat the space as well, but we couldn't. Um, make that work because we've got buildings all around. So we went to a electric version of an old Arga. Oh, really? Yeah, and so it looks incredible. It's oh, incredible. It is. What colour is it? It's British racing green. Good <laughs> Lord. Maria got the invoice and thought I was buying a race car. <laughs> yes. What is this British racing green thing? Goodness me. And um, and I'm just uh, so the um, so the these are the the strengths that you have brought together and. Now uh, we should probably say that you've you've brought a book out. We have. Yeah, we have. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. and and what a labour of love this is. This is far eclipses um, a lot of books. This this isn't just a, a repository of recipes, is it? No, it's no. a passion project. I would say it is. Um, it's an evocation of of kinfolk of of love, tradition, family. Yeah, I think it was something that we had been brewing for a while and um, in a way we wanted to create something that was a tonic for the times that we live in, you know, a a book that you could pick up and flick through and read and feel a deep connection to your kin, to the things you cook, 
to, I don't know, those, those lines that are stable throughout, you know, our times and our history. Mm. Um, and we decided to do that through recipes from our heritage, but also through describing the rituals and the rhythms that we observe um, in our current families with our little kids. Um, and that sort of came through, a lot of which came through from our grandparents and parents. Um, and we really wanted to, I guess, invite people to read those stories and understand and realise that we all have the opportunity to bring that ritual into our lives and to find the connections that food gives us to our ancestry. Absolutely. Maybe you want to add anything to that? Uh, yeah, I think it, uh, one of our pillars for the business is to inspire and I think we we use that for this book too and our hope of it really is that people connect um, through cooking and through rituals around cooking with with their families and children. We've, we've been a big thing on this show. This show's been going for a couple of footy seasons now. <laughs> and um, one of the things that I love celebrating is the importance of cultural tradition, culinary and cultural tradition, yeah. that you honour your parents by, by cooking what they used to, you know. And uh, you talk about, what is it's Omar Rosa? Mm-hmm. Yes. Her great grandmother. Yeah, great grandmother. And she was one hell of a baker, huh? She was. Yeah. Yeah. It was and, incredible. And and by doing tell me what it, it feels for you or to do to be making her recipes. I mean, we grew up making her recipes. Mm. Um I think she was really the the matriarch of the family, her three daughters. When we were, they were all in the kitchen together with the two of us, no one had any say other than Uma Rosa. It was, um, <laughs> they were very much doing what she yeah. said in the tiny little galley kitchen that was maybe three square metres in size. It was tiny, wasn't it? Tiny. Yeah. And it, you evoke it as being surrounded by geraniums. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of geraniums. Was many every Because all the windows in Germany have the windowsills with the heaters underneath them. Um, really? And they were all full of geraniums. Oh, is that how you, I was wondering how you keep those things alive. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, but, okay, so as well as that, this is um, a, a beautiful touchstone to tradition and family and the past. But goodness me, there are some great pages here talking about um, what spices to use, how much spices to use, and a lot of spice history. Like, um, I did not know, for instance, that... Uh, uh, New York was swapped for the clove-growing islands after much bloodshed and war, um, and that's why New Amsterdam became New York because they did they did a deal at global on a global uh, scale. Yeah, and there's the, the just the history of spices is it's just incredible. unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of wars fought, and yeah, I guess a lot of the geopolitical state of the current world is also influenced by yeah, influenced by the spice trade and yeah yeah i mean the first circumnavigation of the world was paid for the cargo load of 581 um, sacks of of cloves yeah which is just i mean to think about that now is but, every time i open my cloves i think Whew, yeah it's and a you bit think, of a thrill <laughs> and, and think about the boat that came in after going around the world most of the crew have died of scurvy yeah. like they there's only a few just sort of barely hanging on. They've all got their clothes are just in tatters around them. 
Yeah. But they've got the cargo. They've got the cargo. They've got the cargo, and that and that's done. And we also think about the uh, first corporations were started. Dutch East India Company yeah. was first corporation that's done. Anyway, it's it's all here in this book. What's the most popular spice? <sighs> It's like asking us who our favourite child is. No, no, not not the the, the most popular in 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 the, in this book because you talk about oh. the one most mentioned in here. I, w- I wasn't going to do that I to you. I think probably the the hero most used spice that we were quite surprised with was actually nutmeg. Um, yeah, yeah, which is banned in the UAE. Oh really? Yeah, because they say it has narcotic uh, properties oh, yeah. to it, so you yeah. cannot you cannot get. Maybe that's why we're always so happy. <laughs> it could be. It's all that, it's all that nutmeg. Um, but it's it's a it's a surprisingly diverse, not diverse, um, versatile. Sorry, is the word mm. I was looking for spice because it has um, it has. Um, Goes with so much. Yeah, but a real power to cut through fatty and really rich food. Yes. Also gives some sweetness. It gives almost a pepperiness. Like it's a really, it's quite a package. Mm. It's sweet and savoury. And you should never get ground nutmeg. No. No, No. you should not. (laughs) No, because it's just, it's dumb. (laughs) <laughs> it's just this, and uh, and and, uh, and as advice for people, how long should spices be kept for? Really depends on what. So if it's whole, like a whole nutmeg, that's um, fine for yeah, it will yeah. last for a long time. Ground spices, um, ideally, you're keeping in as small a jar as possible, so there's as little oxygen yes. um, as possible in in a dark place, so it's not getting affected by sunlight, and then. You know, in that circumstance, you probably get half a year to a year of it being quite fresh. If you think of coffee beans, it's much the same. Once they ground, they start to – they don't go off, but they lose their potencies and their, 20 top, minutes. their top notes. 20 yeah, minutes. So once you grind coffee, that, yeah. you know, that, that is gone. Last – um, how much? Quanto? How much for this book? $50. 50 bucks. And 49 $49.95. Um, it all matters. It all matters. Kent, did you have any questions you wanted to ask? Um, I would like to know more about that. Uh, there's like a family tree of spices in there. That This goes with that. Yeah, these oh, are yes. brilliant. These are yes, absolutely brilliant in the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so the idea with that was we were trying to demystify... Um, you know, people sometimes get overwhelmed with, oh, what am I going to, you know, I've got all these spices, but what do I do with them? So what we did is we we took the major food groups, vegetables, grains, fruit, dairy, meat and proteins, and then we we flow charted. Yeah, flow <laughs> Whose idea was that? That's your idea. The spreadsheet queen. Yes. Yeah, the and I tried one. to break yeah. down, you know, the different so vegetables, what are there? There's mm. um, tubers, there's um, bulbs, there's yeah. leaves, and, and what, leafies. you know, what are the what are the spices that generally match well with those or bring out the best, you know, complement them the best. And so we've listed Half a dozen, roughly, for each of those categories. So that if you're cooking eggplant, for example, you can look up nightshades and have a list of different spices that you could try with gotcha. eggplant. Yeah, what goes with eggplant? Just out of curiosity. Uh, we've got clove, oregano, yeah. allspice, paprika, basil, fenugreek leaf, mustard, nutmeg. Yes. And I would suggest to not use them all. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's, so that's the idea is to you know mix. And and pick out what might what you might try. I know time's tight, Cam. Just one quick question. Yeah. Aside from the rule of thumb that so long as it tastes good, it works. Mm. Are there, are there, do you have any giveaway 
rules of thumb about using spice? Uh, trust your instinct. I think would be mm-hmm. yeah. Smell them if they feel, if they're pretty potent. Use less. Yeah. Uh, there's some spices. If your blends off, you can put more in the coriander. Helps to bring it together. And yes, coriander and, is one of those ones you say you can use more. Yeah, yeah. So I think just like you would anything else, smell, taste, and. I've got one more question. Yeah. <laughs> many many years ago, you walked into a spice shop, and it was a cathartic moment. It was an epiphany if we like, and it was, let's face it. Do you think with your beautiful shops that you have around the place that you have eclipsed that shop in Munich? 100%. (laughs) No, no, because because I think what we did differently, that shop in Munich was quite sterile really. It was the spices, there was nothing on the walls, there was no other sort of thing in there but our stores are very much well when we set out we decided we wanted people to feel like they were in our grandmother's kitchen Mm. so they're full they're inspiring they're all about cooking and you know the spices are one ingredient but we want people to feel inspired to cook inspired to go home and you know yeah we have so many recipes on our website that go with the spices so the experience continues and beautiful merchandise and cookware that oh yeah um, absolutely an amazing team too i mean the culture that we've built over the years um, yeah you can feel it in in the staff yeah probably our biggest strength i think through many many years of um of interacting with your shops and actually being very surprised that a German spy shop was opening in Ligon Street. <laughs> yeah, everyone's confused about what that. What is that? And then you go, but then you go in and it's like, oh, it's, it, it is just amazing. What are the, what's next for you? Just expansion? You going to go to Singapore? No. Nah. Not. <laughs> no, we... What, what, do you, what do you want to do? What do we want to do? Well, the book was a big part, but that's in the world done. now. So, I don't know, I guess yeah. we're going to have to find... Move on to Herbs. Another, <laughs> yeah. another project. Yeah, um, go on a holiday. No, that's, that's probably not a bad idea. Well, look, the uh, the name of this book is uh, Kindred. It's uh, published by Murdoch. Uh, we also have to thank David for uh, getting Plum. Plum. published by Plum. Plum. I thought, oh, okay. It's a, um, <laughs> published by Plum. Uh, but we also have to thank David, who's your um, link there with the publisher to get you guys in because. You're a bit worried about bringing the kids in, but you found out that Triple R is a friendly, yeah, kid-friendly sure zone, even though I can't see the children. <laughs> Congratulations on 12 years of making this city better and the other cities better, and uh, and also for um, making a spy shop better and, and also very much reflecting Australia and Australia culture because I'm sure there's not... Bar- blokes barbecue spice in the Munich shop and no. and all those things that are influenced by where we are geographically and where we are with the makeup of our society in reflecting that. Thank you. That's very kind. Oh well, that's right. That's what I, what I do. But uh, <laughs> it's it's it is a, a real honour after all these years uh, to meet you both. And just to say a huge congratulations to uh, what you've done and to this great book. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much for having us. Thanks so much. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform.
you have been described to me as, uh, as a, well, the founder of this great ice cream company and a little bit of a mad scientist. Absolutely, yes. Uh, probably more emphasis on the mad scientist, but yes. Still learning about business. It's my first uh, uh, venture into uh, being an entrepreneur. So, yes, so that's a steep learning curve. But first yeah, one. So yeah, what absolutely. did you do before you decided to throw your weight behind the churn, so to speak? Uh, pretty eclectic. Um, I did science and law at uni. I majored in applied chemistry and food chemistry, which was the background to how I got into ice cream. Hey, this is good, uh, But yes. then didn't do anything with it. I was a lawyer for 15 years. Oh, really? Um, and what, what sort of law did you do? Um, intellectual property law, so the oh, protection of ideas. So that was a good beginning as well. Oh, wow, you're um, a good person to know. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've got you know, a worldwide trademark for a and a granted patent for our recipes, but basically because I know what I'm doing in that space. So the back end is strong. With, strong. With this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and what made you say, "Hey, I got this food chemistry thing going on. Maybe I should, maybe I should step away from this law thing and pursue that." Well, no, was... after, after law, I ended up at Telstra as a lawyer. Then became a senior manager at Telstra. And what do you mean after law? When you went? Well, nah. so, no, so I was an in-house lawyer at Telstra. Yep. And then. Um, Decided I'd do a sideways step into mm. management at Telstra. So I was there in management for um, over 10 years. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then was lucky enough to get a package, as you try and do when you're a big company like that. Yeah. So I took a package, went and uh, co-founded a not-for-profit, uh, which was medical research-based, because uh, I was approached by a friend. We did it together for six years. And then during that time, I started playing oh. with ice cream. Yes. Um, play- <laughs> making recipes. And not really knowing what I was doing, but then my husband bought me a recipe book that had all mathematics at the back. And I couldn't believe that I could combine dessert and maths <laughs> and obviously science along with that. And this I just completely, completely fell down the ice cream rabbit hole at that point. Uh, yeah. it was, I was just really fascinated. And I've got a terrible sweet tooth. So the idea mm. of combining maths and dessert was completely heaven to me. Not to others, but certainly to me. And through your formulations, you were able to make something that is an incredible indulgence into something that is less uh, impactive on the body. Well, we say it's a little bit healthy. That's, uh, how, that's how we describe it. Oh, that's a nice way. And the name of this ice cream is Alato. I don't know. Did I mention that? Yes, you did. Thank, Thank you. God for that. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd get slapped twice by you. And... Uh, how did the name come about? It seems oh, fairly obvious. Well, not really because, you know, you come up with the greatest names. And because I know yeah. how I like my way around the trademarks around yes. the world, I wanted a world trademark. So the ability to get a word that's absolutely able to be um, achieved in you know, numerous countries is very challenging. Yeah, you so did. so there were, we went through thousands of words, literally. Uh, but the brief was it had to sound yummy, and mm. Alato does, um, and had to be available. And I discovered... Just by accident, this is a tip for anyone looking at trademarks, Mm. is if you chop off the consonant on a word and you start with the vowel, when they're searching your word, they don't search to the left. They only search to the right. And so even though there's thousands of gelato words in the the system, not one single word came up cited against me when I went through the process because wow. they only go, they only yeah, search right. Wow. So there you go. Any brand, anyone wants to create a new brand name, take well-known word, chop off the consonant, start with a vowel and you're set. Yeah. Yeah, ah. unli- unlikely to have it cited, anything cited against you. Well, so there that, you go. So that was the challenge so is to try and find a world mark. There's that part, but then there was the formulation. when yes. you When you put on your lab coat and yes. got your clipboard and yes. tasting spoon and ice cream chair, how did it all happened and what did you do differently? 
So, well, I trained intensively. So I started mm. training in Australia at William Anglis in Melbourne. Which oh, has you quite did. a good It's my old alma mater. Yeah, yeah, so anyone interested in gelato, they've got a great course there. But I didn't mm. know enough. I didn't know enough maths. I needed to know more. Mm. And each time you do the class, they tell you about what else you still need to know. So, Oh, that's good. So then this class was... Um, <laughs> you kept coming back. Well, then I went off to Italy and trained at Carpagiana Gelato University, which many uh, gelatoers do. Because I remember way back in the day when I was at William Angus, we had one of those machines and it was like, that was really, really special. Yeah, so I trained there. With the Capigiano. Yeah, yes, what city the, is that in? That's in Bologna. Yes. And um, that was uh, fantastic. And But all the time while I was there, I'm thinking, how can I do a healthier product? Mm. How can I do something that doesn't have chemicals? Mm-hmm. And it was somewhat surprising both here and there that they use a lot of powders not a large number of chemicals, but still too many more, more, more chemicals than I was interested in. And incorporate a lot of air. That too. Uh, less so in gelato, more yes, so in ice cream. absolutely. Um, so we did a day where we made a whole lot of recipes which had the chemical emulsifier and we had egg yolk. And the egg yolk ones just tasted out of this world. Amazing. Yeah, Obviously more expensive. And you also you get that chew with, with egg yolk too, uh, do you If you, you only know? use too much. If you don't use too much, it's fine. It doesn't impact texture a lot. But it yeah. does make it rich and full of flavour. Yes. And it was complete no-brainer to me. I just said, right, forget the chemical, which is called monodiglyceride. Very cheap and very effective. Yeah. But um, it's a chemical and the taste wasn't amazing. And the egg oh, just glyceride, adds a huge... Diglyceride, well, yeah, it's okay. A, it's, a, it's a type of oil. It's an extract yeah. from oil. Yes. Um, and it's got obviously the right end. And this to gives make you that mouthfeel that. Look, it's very effective in 99% of ice cream. Yeah, Just but use yeah. It. you got rid of it. Yeah. So now I go, right, I'm going to use egg. So that's gone. That chemical is gone. Yep. Um, more challenging with vegan because obviously you can't use egg yolk. No. Nope. Uh, but I found an amazing product called acacia gum, which is now oh, starting wow. to get good um, yeah. interest. Yes. And that's. Again, very, very effective, comes straight out of a tree. It's no natural, chemicals, yeah. Natural. Um, uh, the alternatives are out there are quite yucky in taste. So Nature's some, gift. Well, so they, others use soy and sunflower lecithin, but they have a horrible taste. So, yes. So anyway, so I was set on that. And then it was really about having flavours that were really incredibly natural as well. What was the first one you made? Oh, my very first was actually um, coconut, uh, which was a dairy flavour then, but I'm just in the process of developing a vegan version because uh, it doesn't make sense to release a product that's coconut that's dairy because no one's really going to be that interested. But mm. as a vegan, it makes more sense. Absolutely. Um, so that's been the um, house favourite for um, 10 years, basically. Yeah. Um, but I didn't just uh, train initially. I then went to Canada because gelato, I discovered, which I hadn't thought about, has a lot more sugar than ice cream. So yeah. they're actual opposites. Ice cream has... Uh, more fat, less sugar. Yep. Gelato has more sugar, less fat. And what? we know that sugar is the enemy now. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm making the wrong product. I need to make ice cream, not gelato, because mm. I wanted to always make something a bit healthier. So I went and trained with the world-leading academic in ice cream in Canada, a guy called Professor Doug Goff. Which city? Uh, Guelph, actually, an hour and a half out, out of Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. yeah, yes. Very big dairy big. university. Yeah, huge. big university. Um, and so I, I developed my current uh, recipes there because I learned, again, surprising, which I didn't realise, that lactose-free milk and cream are three times sweeter than regular milk and cream. And so I was sitting in class and I go, does that mean if I start with sweeter ingredients, I can use less sugar? And he goes, yes, of course. So I said, if I have lactose-free milk and cream... Mm-mm. Can I then use less sugar? And he goes, yes. So that's what we just, we worked on together. And yeah, so we have, I should just translate yes. the looks that Rose is going, yeah, like duh. Like duh. Like yeah, he's yeah. going to be like, who wouldn't know that? But I didn't. Um, yeah. 
And that's why so, I'm here. Yeah. So then, um, so our, our recipes, our dairy recipes, all have 30% less added sugar as a result because we start with sweeter ingredients. Mm. So we're able to add less sugar. And again, that ticked my I want to be healthier box. But then we also add extra soluble fiber and extra protein, and we get a three star health rating. Uh, and that's to do with balancing, balancing the recipe, which I won't bore you with. I think Rosemary Stan would be proud of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but when you taste it, which you guys will get to do after I finish. Yes. Um, you wouldn't even know you're eating something that's better for you. Yeah. The flavour and texture is so good. We've won many, many awards, including um, a couple of months ago, we got Best Australian Ice Cream for our Fig Ripple at the yeah. Melbourne Royal. Yeah. Uh, but we've had other in Queensland the year before, we got Best Ice Cream for our um, Decaf Cafe Latte. And so that everyone can, keeps telling me the taste is amazing. So we hit the taste button, we or tick, mm. and we get the better for you tick as well because of the protein, the fibre and the less sugar. And but the- you don't compromise. Yeah. Whatsoever. No, no, no. I'm waving my finger at you mm. like an Italian would. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but and the most uh, uh, the laudable thing that you have achieved, which apparently 94 percent of people that want to get a, a new line into supermarkets mm. fail, you have managed to get yourself into Woolworth. So congratulations Absolutely. on that. Thank you so much. Uh, hard work, tough um, road. Uh, but you know they've Woolworths have looked after us quite well. Mm. Um, we started at Metro and yep. did well enough there, and then that's a pathway that they like to follow. Yep. Is you go from Metro to Woolworths, and so we're now in five hundred stores around the country. Well, actually, East Coast. Sorry, East four Coast. fabulous flavors available in Woolworths. Um, Three star rating on ice cream. Let's. And one uh, of them's vegan, by the way. I talked about dairy. One of them's vegan. Got it. Um, and uh, so all around Victoria, we'll be able to find your product. Uh, we're in um, oh, several hundred stores uh, in Victoria, stores. but almost a thousand stores around the country. Good lord! Well, congratulations on getting a premium product to the market and uh, and uh, having successfully put on that lab coat and and working through. It's an amazing story, Ros. Thank, you. Thank well, you. Let's hope it continues. We've now got to get lots of sales and stay on those shelves. And an interesting collaboration coming up with Gewurz. Yes, we? We'll, absolutely. We'll keep on a track of that. We'll let you know. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 